Okay, it's time to smash it up on a Monday night. Maybe we'll eventually change it to the mash. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> He's Irish fellow Managing Editor of Warchant.com. My name is Tom Lang, and you are tuned in here to Warchant TV 2024 edition of the Monday Smash, presented by State Farm Agent Russ Voorhis. Ira, good evening to you. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm just, uh, you know, still a little ornery. Getting to watch the college football national championship game and and uh, still not thrilled about the turn of events that uh, has those two teams playing in it. But uh, I, I guess at some point we'll move on. It was so gettable. We, we want you to know out there, Knowles fans, you are invited to this program. You are most certainly invited to this program. So hit the like button as you hop in. Subscribe to the channel. It's absolutely free. Ira, I'm sure you did better than me. Um, the petty and me came out. And I, I think between the two games and the semis, I watched about a quarter of football between the two. How much did you watch of those two games? You know, I was kind of like I, I, I was kind of like dipping my toe in the water. I wasn't really fully, fully invested, even in this game tonight. Like, I'm not sure I'm fully invested. But as I started to realize, well, wait a minute, Alabama may lose this game. Or wait a minute, Texas may lose that game. Kind of got me a little bit more into it. And so, uh, yeah, by, by the end of those games, I was like at the end of my seat, especially uh, – uh, you know, as Alabama, you know, seeing Alabama lose was 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 felt pretty sweet after the way things played out. I, I, nobody's blaming Washington for what happened to Florida State, right? Like even Michigan with the cheating stuff that nobody ever talks about. Like Washington just kind of skates there. They had some less than results over Arizona State, Washington State, and others. So for some reason, their resume didn't get poked and prodded the way that Florida State's did. Yeah. But really, we've got no bone to pick with them. There, I would imagine if we did a poll in the War Chant. TV chat right now, Ira. It's an overwhelming Washington favorite tonight. Yes, right? I think I think that's a hundred percent accurate. I think everybody's pulling for uh, Washington. I mean, there might be a few stragglers for Michigan, but I think most everybody. It, this will. I'll tell you what. It'll feel a little bit like when Kansas won the national championship in basketball a couple of years ago for for in the middle of a huge NCAA investigation for you know Michigan to with what all they went through. And again, I'm not whatever. I mean, they're a good football team. They're obviously they're worthy. They've got a great defense, uh, but your coach has been suspended twice now in one season for cheating. And uh, it's going to be a little awkward if they win the national championship. Well, and allegedly Jordan Travis leg matters more than that. We know it was more than that though. Everybody, we, we get it. We understand that. And that's why today we'll be talking a lot about what Florida state's done in the portal, uh, what the roster looks like for spring football, 2024. That's not all that far away and all the stuff to come in between. Our own Matt Lasser will be joining us in about 10, 15 minutes. He will be giving us an update on the latest in the portal for Florida State, some of the names that haven't settled and shaken out just yet, and then another week of portal coverage because, Ira, it just goes on and on, and these visits continue to happen. I know that there's a deadline without a dean's letter of uh, January 11th to enroll at Florida State in the spring. I think yeah. I think a dean would write a letter for a football player, like maybe a linebacker or two, to come into town. Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think that that's uh, it's a soft it's a soft deadline. And uh, yeah, classes started. Uh, my daughter's a student at FSU, and classes did start today. They get tomorrow off though because of the storm. Um, but yeah, if they if they need to get a player in uh, in a week and a half or so, I have a feeling. Uh, they'll still be able to get them in. So we'll get to those names in just a minute and Iris' thoughts and my thoughts on what Florida State has done to this point. But we do want to wish uh, everybody to be safe across the country, really, with this storm that is ravaging everywhere from Texas to the uh, the panhandle area of Florida and everywhere in between. Our footprint is all over the country, but to everybody in the southeast and even my brethren now at Warchant North, in the north side of, of the operation here, Ira, 
65 uh, mile an hour gusts tomorrow night coming our way all the way up. It's this ridiculous storm. So everybody, please be safe out there. Be smart. If you don't have to be in a car, don't get one tomorrow because uh, it's coming for you. And I think Ira tomorrow morning is when it hits Tallahassee. So it's going to be, uh, yeah, an interesting morning over there in the 850. Yeah, Jeff and Corey and I will be recording Seminole headlines probably in the morning to try to knock it out before uh, things get too bad. We'll see how it plays out. But if there's any any, uh, delays with Seminole headlines, it might be storm-related. So hopefully we'll get it in. And if those delays happen, I'll let you know about it before I – because those guys will be out of power and then I'll go dark probably (laughs) tomorrow night. But we have full uh, power here in the background. We've got Director Ben Spicer taking care of the proceedings. And as as I said, Matt Lacerra will be by in about 10, 15 minutes. Uh, Ira, your thoughts so far on what the football team has done. You know, DJU was something that Florida State landed essentially when the clock struck to the new year for 2024. Marvin Jones Jr. was already in the fold, but so many more pieces now. You can see where this coaching staff has prioritized wide receiver as a position, for example. I didn't expect to see them prioritize, but a a lot of new names coming in, a lot of more candidates coming in. Seems like this is going to be a significantly sized transfer portal haul for Florida State in 24. Your thoughts so far? Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of that just shows how fluid it is. You know, I think a month ago, uh, you know, there was debates about is Florida State only going to need five or six or seven guys? Are they going to need more than that? Um, And clearly, you know, they've probably lost a few more guys than they expected uh, to the portal. Not necessarily huge impact guys, but, you know, players, guys that would have played. I mean, I I don't know that uh, we all knew Bless Harris was going to leave or the DJ Lundy was going to leave or. Uh, you know, Rodney Hill or some of these other guys that have decided to move on. So, um, you know, it's just, it, you know, it's the name of the game now in college football. So I think they've expanded their, uh, uh, you know, with the, the size of this transfer portal class. And, and I think they're, they're doing well. This was a nice weekend for them. And a lot of these players have not done, what's interesting about it is a lot of these players have not done a tremendous amount on the college level, but were huge recruits. You know, I mean, all these guys, you remember, most of these guys we remember from two or three years ago when Florida State was trying to get him the first time, Earl Little was a guy. I mean, I remember Marcus Woodson was the DB's coach and was fighting to try to get him to Florida State. And Florida State did a great job and had a chance with him. Um, and, you know, obviously at the end he chose Alabama, which he couldn't complain about. Um, and then Jalen Brown, another one goes to receive, you know, play receiver at LSU. Again, LSU's had tremendous success with wide receivers. So, uh, you know, none of those were like devastating losses. Uh, but it's just huge that you're able to come back and get them. And like you said, Marvin Jones. And and I like, you know, some of these older guys that have played football at other places. I, you know, I think the uh, Grady Kelly, the defensive tackle from Colorado State, looks like a real productive, nice player, nice piece. Um, and, uh, you know, I, yeah, I think across the board they're doing some good things. They're, obviously, they're involved with these edge rushers who came in this weekend. And, and uh, as you said, they've got two receiver commitments. So uh, I think it's, yeah, it's definitely taking shape. It's just a different type of transfer portal mandate, I feel like. Ira. Last year, there was a lot of retention being done by the collective, the battle's end, and that's what you know set the tone for so many position groups and position battles for Florida State in the spring. But you know, with all those guys gone, they were such a. this is part of the reason there were so many opt-outs. They've got a lot of old dudes who were on the brink of the next step in their careers. There are reps to be won in spring, and so every kid that says yes right now has a crack at becoming a starter or at least a member of the two-deep it just it's it's got a very different feel so far in 2024 as to what we're looking forward to in spring. A lot of spring last year was well, we know who the quarterback is going to be, these receivers, the starters at running back. Um, you know, we know who the offensive line, the players are going to be in terms of you know eight five spots, eight guys battling for five spots, Jared Verse, et cetera, et cetera, the two linebackers. 
this is more of wide open season in the spring, and we, we're not going to have any answers really as to who the big contributors are going to be for some time. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, and I think, you know, you talked about that receiver position and maybe not expecting or not knowing how many of the guys they were going to go after. You know, I think it speaks to the fact that, you know, there's some unanswered questions there. You know, they, they you know, they have some guys that you really like. Uh, I think we like Hakeem Williams. We like Destin Hill. We like Kentron Portier. Uh, we like Ja'Kai Douglas. We like, you know, like a lot of those guys, but they just haven't done it. Um, and so I think, you know, to some degree, you're just giving, you're, you're, you're put, giving yourself more at bats by bringing in some of these other talented wide receivers and, and figure it out. Like you said, that competition will help you sort that out. And I think, you know, part of uh, what has me excited about uh, seeing that all play out is uh, I, I really think DJ Uyungle is, is going to have a, I think he's got a chance to have a really nice season at Florida State. I think Mike Norvell might be great for him. In that video uh, we did last week where we talked to reporters who covered him at Clemson and Oregon State, uh, I think two things really came through strong to me. One was the fact that he's uh, such a well-liked guy. Like everybody that comes in contact with him likes him. I think that's going to fit in perfectly with this locker room. When you think of what we've seen from this team, this culture over the last few years under Mike Norvell, I think that's going to fit in great. And the other thing is I think Florida State Mike Norvell is going to be really good for him because I think Mike Norvell is going to scheme the offense around him. I think he's going to uh, kind of give him confidence, which is something that I think he's lacked at times. And so now you start talking about bringing in some of these offensive weapons and you know building up that offensive line, which I think they're trying to do as well. And it may be a different looking team. You know, This year there were times where we, they kind of leaned on the defense even though that might not have been what we expected going into the year, uh, I think this year, you know, might be it might look like a, a team that maybe leans on the offense a little bit. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's gonna be fun to watch. It seems like Ira with what they're doing at receiver, like both this year and next. Uh, you know, Malik Benson is a one-year player, it would seem, but you know, Jalen Brown could be a multi-year solution with his track speed. But those are two burners. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Jalen Lucas can, I mean, obviously, is a kick returner specialist. He can fly. He's going to be one of those combo players for you. Uh, Destin Hill, one would imagine, would be completely healthy, and, and what his br- uh, speed brings to the table, it almost seems like they're daring DJU to overthrow some receivers. Like that's what they're trying to do is say, let's put that arm talent, that cannon for an arm that you have, completely to the test, and then we'll probably play some muscle football, some some big boy football in between those shots. It, it could be a pretty fun kind of boomer bust offense in the in the aerial game. But it does seem like beef is the order of the day for the offensive line. They want to be able to run the ball and run their stuff a little bit better than they did last year. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely accurate. And uh, and then there's question marks there too on the offensive line too. This spring is going to be really fun to watch because um, you know Robert Scott obviously missed so much of this past season dealing with injury, but he played I think 40 snaps somewhere in that ballpark uh, in the, in the George game, he played the most really in the North Alabama, or excuse me, in the Louisville and, and Georgia games than he had really played all year. Um, so how did he come out of that? Is he going to be ready to, to go into a full spring and really be who he was? Darius Washington comes kind of out of nowhere last year to be first team all ACC. How did they play him? Where do they move him? Uh, Maury Smith's coming back. You, you bring in some, uh, you know, maybe some portal talent and you've got these young guys coming up as well. Uh, you also brought back, they just announced today, Jeremiah Byers is coming back for his second year in the system. Real quick on that, I know a lot of people feel like Jeremiah Byers was not what they thought he was going to be coming in as an all-conference player at UTEP. It was his first year in the system. It was his first year with Alex Atkins. 
they're, they, they're, the fact that they want to keep him, the fact they want, I'm sure other schools would have been interested in him, tells me they believe he can play a lot better next year. So, so that offensive line could take another step forward. And, and so I, again, to me, you know, I think after the way the, the season ended and the guys opted out and the Georgia game happens and it felt like there was just, a, I don't know, just this pall over the program. But now you start seeing the roster coming together and I, I'm excited about the spring. So that was going to be the last thing I ask you before we bring Matt on is stability. And and do you feel like maybe was it the announcement of DJU? Was it getting that all that matter settled with a quarterback that brought some stability into a very unstable position or, or you know, um, momentum it felt like for the program? It's not like Ira guys left the program left and right after the Orange Bowl. I mean, you know, uh, most notably Patrick Payton, which was an interesting dalliance in, in December. He is re-upped with the battle's end, and it looks like some of the other guys on the defensive line are going to do the same. So that's all well and good, but it, it just feels like there is a kind of a line of delineation, and, and it happened at New Year's. that Maybe it was DJU, that announcement with subsequent things that have helped everybody kind of take a breath here. I think so. I think it was going to happen anyway, man. I think that, the, you know, when you have a vacuum, um, something's going to fill that vacuum. And, and, and the month of December is just this big vacuum where you had guys leaving and there really wasn't anything to kind of fill it with. Nothing, there was nothing really good to kind of, you know, kind of get people re, re, ju- you know, get them juiced back up. And, and so I think it was going to happen at some point. At some point, we were going to get to a point where they were going to get a quarterback. Mike Norvell has had too much success. Um, in his career. So whether it was DJU or, or maybe somebody else, I think there was going to be a quarterback. I think DJ's a perfectly good solution there. Um, but I think there was going to be somebody. And then I think there was going to be this, this rush of other players. I think we always knew that was going to come. I mean, we knew that this team, this program, what they've done over the last two or three years, especially in the portal, it was going to come eventually. It just, you just had to get there and we just kind of had to muddle through December. So I, I think DJ is part of it, but I think it was always going to happen. It was just uh, so some dark days to get through to get there. Well, somebody who's lived through all those dark days and the good times as well, State Farm agent Russ Forhis, one of the most diehard Knowles you will ever talk to, and you can. You can talk to him about anything you want, Florida State related, or if you have some questions about insurance and all the things that could be brought your way and if you live in the state of Florida, the state of Georgia, or Alabama. These are the phone numbers at the bottom of the screen. If you're on the east coast of the state, Brick-and-mortar operations for Russ Voorhis in Jacksonville Beach and Orange Park. Head to RussVorhis.com for more information as well. He does web meetings as well as in-person meetings. That's our guy, Russ, Ira. There isn't a, a bigger knoll and a better supporter of Warchant.com than our guy, Russ Voorhis. Yeah, I was going to tell you that. It uh, reinforced that as some of the uh, opt-outs and things were happening during the month of December and the texts I started getting from Russ. Was a little concerned. He was a little concerned about how the bowl game was going to go, and I understand it. And you know, like Russ is old school, like a lot of people watching this. You know, you kind of um, you hate seeing such a great season turn out the way it did in that last game. Uh, but no, yeah, Russ, no question is a is, you know good guy, huge Noel fan, and uh, has a great operation over there at RussVorhis.com is the website uh, for all your insurance needs in Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. So 15 seconds between now and the end of when I talk in just a moment. Ira and I will ask Matt LaSere questions about the portal. So were you in the chat. So make sure you get your questions ready for Matt in 15 seconds here on Warchant TV. Contact Russ Boris for an auto quote today. There he is on the screen. He is wearing an, an old school orange bowl cap. I like the old FedEx sponsorship days. Not bad. 
Matt Lasser, a Swiss Army knife extraordinaire here for Warchant.com. He has been at the forefront of our coverage on the website or the portal. In fact, uh, before we get to too many questions, uh, Matt, I, you put in an RPM earlier today for a defensive end to come to Florida State. I won't put you on front street. Tomiwa Durojaye. Tomiwa Durojaye. I think you're the first one on here to actually attempt to say the last name. I did. I, have, I haven't gone that far yet. Okay. Well, that's I wanted to get it out in front of that for you because we, we usher the, the talent here. And then also, Matt, I do have to thank Aslan for putting it in our company Slack with the pronunciation guide. So uh, everybody's working together here. But uh, your thoughts on that particular prospect, uh, West Virginia, sorry, Kentucky by way of West Virginia, however you want to put it, and uh, where Florida State stands with that particular player. Yeah, I think Florida State's in a really good spot there. Uh, he did decline the interview yesterday, but he did tell us the visit went great while he was walking out. Uh, I talked to him a little bit last night, not really about the visit, but I just kind of get the vibes that it's Florida State's in a very good spot here. Uh, and they need to be. They've missed on a few edge rushers already, and this is a big one that they need. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when you – it feels like there's a lot of names being thrown out there. You know, it's like one week, you know, I guess last week, everybody thought they were going to get the guy from Purdue. Then that didn't happen. There's been some other guys that have kind of come and gone. And then this this weekend, I think, would they have three guys in um, as well? And so, you know, how many do you think they're going to end up getting – how many edge rushers do you think they're looking to get? And uh, if if they get this guy, I'm going to say this guy, uh, who, who else would you say is a strong number? I mean, they obviously already have Marvin Jones Jr. Would that be it, or do they still need to get another one? Yeah, so we think at least two more. Not sure about three. So the two more, obviously, I think it will be Tomiwa. I'll just call him by his last name, Tomi. Uh, him, and then you also have Zion Young from Michigan State, and then you have the Oregon State guy who came in, uh, Sion Lolohi. Uh, it would be obviously. I already said I think they're getting uh, the guy from West Virginia. It comes down between uh, Zion Young and uh, Lolohi. Uh, I don't think the chances with Zion Young are a lot higher than Lolohi just because uh, Lolohi just went and visited USC right afterwards, stay on the West Coast out there. He's obviously the West Coast guy coming from Oregon State. Uh, but DJU might have a little bit of help in there. He did uh, quote tweet him when he entered the portal telling him to go home. Uh, but it will be down to those two. I don't think they will take both, though. That makes sense. Your thoughts, Matt, on um, the process itself and, and how soon it's going to close. Again, I and I joked about it. Uh, a dean will write a letter to get a, fo- a good football player here at Florida State enrolled this semester so they can participate in spring football. But it gets confusing sometimes with, you know, the, the portal entry windows and then enrollment deadlines. But they're at the very least going to be hosting some kids this weekend again, right? Yeah, so one guy we expect them or is likely to visit this weekend is Alabama running back Roydell Williams. As for the kind of the time-wise, it kind of gets complicated with bowl games. Players get five business days. Business days is the key term there from when their bowl game ends. So keep in mind, like Florida State's bowl game was December 30th. The 31st and the 1st is a holiday. So then the five business days start the 1st to enter. So that's why you're kind of seeing guys still get in there. And it's also to enter, that's just to get the paperwork in. It still takes 24 to 48 hours from the paperwork going in to actually be in the portal. So that's why like today might be the last day for the deadline for a lot of kids, but two more days to go and you'll still see people entering. Yeah. You know, I think when there was so much kind of, I don't know, 
frustration or angst when the portal opened and Florida State was not real active. You know, go back to December and, you know, Ole Miss has already got like, I don't know, seems like 30 guys at the portal and everybody's kind of going wild and Florida State was really quiet. Um, do you think, I mean, do, do you get the sense that this was the plan all along? Do you feel, do you feel like they're uh, positioned where they need to get to? Um, or, or are they still playing catch up? Uh, I think this is where they wanted to be or the, where they, what they wanted to do uh, when it came to early in the portal window before the bowl games kind of started getting uh, going, they thought there was going to be a lot more kids to enter after they played their team's bowl games. Uh, it was kind of, they were trying not to fall in love at first sight. They were trying not to take kids right away. Uh, now you're at the point where you can take these kids right away and you have to take these kids right away. And just from talking to people around more and hearing stuff, I do think this is what they wanted to do. Like when you had, uh, I can't remember his name, but you had the Indiana offensive lineman come in early in the portal window. They weren't going to take him right away. And it became kind of obvious. It was just because they wanted to see what else is going to come. So now you have like Terrence Ferguson, who's a big dude who came in uh, this weekend. You have all those more opportunities come in. And they did expect that post-bowl games, especially from teams like playoffs, where you're seeing them take advantage of Alabama right now, honestly. I'm curious, uh, Matt, just your thoughts on some of the players that are here on campus that are going to be a part of the roster. They were a part of the roster uh, that are taking part, either going the extra mile for interviews or making sure the kids feel at home or that it is explained to them what Florida State is all about. But every year somebody takes the lead there and with so many players leaving for, you know, professional pastures, if you will, of the NFL. I wonder if some of those guys uh, have become known at this point around more. You're talking like players, like helping recruit and players, right. helping recruits, kind of showing them the showing them the ropes, even though they don't necessarily have to be here. Yeah. Well, what, who are some of those guys? Yeah. I mean, number one for me has got to be Ja'Kai Douglas right now, just because his brother's here now with Jalen Lucas, half brother, I believe it is. Um, that was a big part. And you also Jalen Lucas went to Edna Carr. So he was teammates with Greedy and uh, Destin Hill. So all those guys played a big part in that. Um, for the most part, a lot of players were not here this weekend, but I think just because obviously they have their break before classes started today. Uh, but I think in general, Ja'Kai's got to be the biggest and play the biggest part just because he basically recruited his brother here. And then you have Destin and Greedy kind of doing the same thing for their high school teammate. Yeah. It was kind of the one thing that came through in some, some of the interviews, you know, you just, they didn't, this, this, the portal recruitment is just so different from the high school recruitment. You know, the high school the high school recruits, they come in, there's a lot, ton of players around. It just, it feels like they get more of the whole experience. And these guys are older dudes and they've seen more. And it's almost like, I don't know, I just get the feel. They want to talk to some current players to, to find out if what the coaches are telling them is true. And so they may do phone calls and things like that. But, but it seems like these conversations, I, I, like our guy, uh, Benson last night, it's yep. just straight business. <laughs> you know, these, these conversations are different, right? Cause these guys are, they know what they want in a school, right? They, yep. More so than a, than a high school kid. Yeah, for sure. You kind of know what you want going into, like you said, straight business is probably the best quote we've had so far to explain the portal cycle. Uh, he, they don't do photo shoots as much. They, that's just not it. It's they talk ball and really only ball, maybe a little money too, but that's not, not mine to say, but it's a, uh, Yeah it's a lot about that. And I think Malik Benson's interview really capsuled all that uh, And to add another player into that. He was actually teammates with Jaden Jones over at Hutchinson community college in Kansas. So he's another one who played a big part in getting someone here this cycle. 
Yeah, I know as well. Um, you know, he's, a, he's an alumni now, but Braden Fisk uh, played a bit of a role for Florida State to land Grady Kelly. Uh, but, uh, you know, Matt, uh, before we get to some questions uh, specific to Warchan TV, maybe just some of the kids that showed up on campus that impressed you, eye test or the way they interviewed if they did decide to take an interview outside. Uh, some of those guys who are now Knowles who said yes to Florida State that uh, left an impression on you. Um, I do like Jalen Lucas a lot. I Not just his film, I mean, he's – really fast and he's going to be explosive and Florida state finally has a true return guy, which I don't think we've had in a while, but just talking to him, he kind of seemed very humble about it and, and cool. Honestly, I really liked uh, talking to him. I also like talking to uh, Grady Kelly a lot. He was excited, really excited. He's from the panhandle. Uh, Navarre, I think is the exact town. Uh, he was just excited to get home the way he was talking about. He's just a, very personable human being. I think, I think a lot of people will like him because he was talking about like, you know, I got my beautiful fiance right here and his fiance was actually recording the interview herself along on the side. So I think they were just excited for the whole Florida state experience and for him to be back home. Uh, that's uh, it's going to be a good replacement for Fisk being a fan favorite. I think Grady Kelly is going to be a fan favorite too. Maybe, uh, maybe she's starting her own website. We need to watch out. She <laughs> might, she might be competition. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, is it uh, Micah Pittman energy? We'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, so questions for Matt uh, as it pertains to the portal right now here on Warchain TV in the live chat, whether you're part of the YouTube side of things, Facebook side, Twitter slash X, we can see all of those questions and we'll pick a few here for Matt before his time is done for the evening. Uh, B wants to know any incoming linebacker. Oh, I figured this would be a question. So yep. any yep. Incoming linebacker or additional defensive line. Uh, what are you hearing, Matt? Sadly, right now, no. Uh, that's kind of the simple answer. I think in general, defensive line has had some strong people come in the portal, but linebacker has probably been one of the weaker positions this portal cycle. Uh, you had one guy everyone was looking after was from Alabama, linebacker that entered entered today, uh, Kendrick Blackshire. Uh, he's also he was from Dallas, so I was excited when he entered. But we do not expect Florida State to go after him. Uh, but yeah, right now I think that's one of the positions you will look at in the spring. Uh, that's gonna be one of the ones that's. Fun to watch. We'll see if Blake Nicholson or Cryer kind of develop into someone who could start. Uh, but if they don't, what about, we're gonna... what about uh, Stefan Thompson, the kid from Syracuse? Oh, so he right now is also we're kind of expecting him to go to Nebraska. Uh, he you mean to I visit reported... Nebraska or commit to Nebraska? Commit to Nebraska. He did okay. visit Nebraska. Uh, sorry for the confusion. Um, right. He uh, I had heard he might not take that visit, but he ended up taking it. And now it's looking fairly likely that he will be a Cornhusker and not a Knoll. Uh, so, again, it's just it's the way the linebackers have been recently. It's uh, hard to tell, but that is definitely a position of need, probably going into the spring window. Okay. Uh, thank you, B, for that question there. That's the one thing to, to uh, make sure that we stress. This isn't it. <laughs> Florida State's had quite a few good players in the spring window and graduate transfers as well. They can kind of yeah. freelance. Go ahead, and as you know, Matt said before, that the, there's two teams playing tonight that mm-hmm. will have an additional four or five days for players to possibly go in the portal. So the, there are uh, still, still possibilities. Especially if a certain head coach takes it on down to the NFL before his program gets mm-hmm. uh, penalized for it. Yeah, you could see if that happens. Uh, Gator Kirk. What's up, Gator Kirk? How you doing? Uh, what happened to the interest in Evan Stewart, Matt? Uh, I still think it's there uh, right now. He did visit Oregon this weekend. Haven't really... Emmett Stewart's kind of someone who likes to work in the shadows. It feels like he doesn't really talk a whole lot. He kind of keeps to himself. Um, it is someone I will say that a lot of programs have backed off of. 
which is kind of reading between the lines there. Tennessee and Ole Miss both said they were out of the race. Um, I still think Florida State is in contact. I still think there's interest, and he is still someone who could visit this weekend. I know I said that all week last week, but he is someone I think we will just pop in and we won't really know is coming. Didn't he Didn't he tweet something? I think it was him that tweeted something about wanting to get mental right health. physically. No. mentally. He said talked about his physical and mental health, and uh, I wonder if he's been dealing with some injuries that, you know, we never really talk about this because it's never – you know, between HIPAA and like players, a lot of times don't want to talk about injuries and coaches don't want to talk about injuries. Certainly the head coach of Florida state doesn't want to talk about injuries, but sometimes when guys have injuries, it's not an easy diagnosis and it's not an easy fix. And sometimes guys will go a year. There are guys in this current team I know of who went through a year or two of trying to figure out exactly what the problem was. And then they figure it out and the player takes off. So when I saw that tweet, I it resonated with me because I, because that that can be a real thing, and, and and if schools are looking for somebody to for immediate help, they may not want to invest in somebody like that. But a school who might be looking more, you know, let's we think there's so much talent there that we can invest two years into them. Uh, maybe a school like Florida State or whoever else might be interested. So that's be, I think there's something going on there, like you said, that we don't all, know all the, the whole story. Yep. Next up here on Warchan TV is Chase. Is there a chance at Nakai Hill Green? That would be the Charlotte linebacker. Do I have that right? Yeah, um, I'm not really sure there, honestly. Haven't heard a whole lot about him since the visit. I know the visit went well. Uh, just with trying to get other linebackers and other people in, I feel like he's kind of been overlooked at this point with all, all the other talent visiting. Um, don't know a whole lot about him. I'm going to keep looking into him. I don't think anything has happened yet there. I think well, yeah, I think I think Michael posted that he didn't think right now that he was their like their top option or something yeah. like. Oh, I would agree know. with that. Yeah. That like, I would rather take. I think Stefan Thompson would be a uh, take before he would be. Yeah, that makes sense. Being selective feels like there's urgency, but again, there's another window. Jordan Newton, do we want safety help? Well, could Earl Little be that, or or are we looking to pick another one up? What do you think, Matt? Uh, well, I actually heard that Devontae Brown, who became official this morning, I believe, uh, we saw him around the facility last night. It was just kind of a matter of we were waiting for it to become official. Um, I heard he was actually being pushed to commit as a safety and not a DB. So that could be your answer there. Okay. Right. Go ahead, yeah, and, yeah. And as you said, too, I think Tom, I think Earl Little's a guy. And, you know, the thing we've seen with this coaching staff for the last several years is that they like interchangeable corners and DBs. I mean, I think we all thought, you know, when you just look at last season, how much Johnny Jones ends up at nickel. They were working at, at safety. Um, you know, they've 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 mixed and matched those guys so much that uh, – and how many times in, in recruiting, and Matt can talk about this, but a lot of times when these corners and DBs um, commit to Florida State, a lot of times the coaches won't even say, you're definitely this or you're definitely that. They like to cross-train them. So I, I think that's – some of these guys that they may already have may end up being safeties. Yeah, a lot of times the answer is I'll do whatever to help the team when it comes to placement like that when we interview them. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, one more question from the audience here, and that's Florida Man in Texas. What's your number one wish list player available? Apologies if you already answered it on, on three. I'm not. Uh, my number one wish list for more personal reasons would be Evan Stewart just because he's from my hometown, uh, and he's really good. I just think there's some – as we already discussed, I think there's some uh, other reasons there why it could be going so slow and school should be dropping off. Uh, but that would be my number one wish list. 
So, Matt, before we let you go for the evening, uh, it's not just about the portal. Um, Florida State has a junior day coming up this month. I mean, my God, does it ever yep. stop the coaching staff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the PRB has felt overcrowded. I think the junior day is January 20th weekend, yep. uh, it seems like. And we had Zayden Walker today is the one who said, uh, yeah, Zayden Walker is the one who said he will be visiting that weekend. Five-star linebacker. A, uh, a linebacker, uh, a five-star yeah, linebacker, linebacker, people. Linebacker. You also had a – I mean, there's a lot of linebackers in 2025 class. They already have a four-star committed in Ethan Pritchard. Uh, TJ Alford is another one uh, who isn't committed, but Florida State is doing very well there. Uh, maybe maybe 2025 is the year of Randy Shannon. We'll see. Could it be a Ron Dugans-like turnaround for Randy Shannon? <laughs> uh, find out next, uh, in the next year, that is, uh, on War Chain TV. Matt, thank you very much for the time tonight continuing uh, awesome work on the uh, PRB for the transfer portal stuff. Thank you for all you do. Thanks, man. Thank you, guys. All right, 15 more seconds from us. Voorhees, we'll be right back on the Monday Smash. Contact Russ Voorhees for an auto quote today. Ira, Florida State got some good news today in terms of legacies. Uh, broke around early evening time on the East Coast that Warwick Dunn is going to be enshrined into the College Football Hall of Fame. That's a, a pretty cool story. Now I get to be like Matt. That was a childhood hero of mine was Warwick Dunn. Uh, he and Charlie Ward, when my sister was going to Florida State in the early 90s, they were I was enamored with him. And then Warwick got drafted by my Buccaneers, which was just even cooler. Yeah. Uh, but that's a, a for a great man who should have been in the, in, in the inaugural class of the College Football Hall of Fame. If you're talking about on-field plus off-field accomplishments, uh, Warwick Dunn now is going to be properly honored and enshrined this upcoming year. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome and definitely well-deserved. And Corey's got a column about him that uh, should have up on the website uh, this evening as well. Uh, kind of his his reflections and uh, you know thoughts on Warwick Dunn it. You know, I was at the uh, the '93 game. You know, before I covered Florida State full time, I was I covered the game in Gainesville, uh, where you know, obviously the Ward to Dunn play, and uh, and I knew he was a great player. Um, there was already hype on him as a freshman, but I had no idea uh, he had that kind of speed, man. The way he just ran away from everybody um, in that place was, I mean, the game, the swamp was rocking. It was as loud as any stadium I've ever been in, and it looked like Charlie's going to get sacked. Nope, and he finds work done and. Duns to the house, and it was uh, just you know obviously one of the greatest plays of all time. But yeah, well deserved. And not you know the College Football Hall of Fame. I don't know. I feel like they could take in. I think they're taking. They was like nineteen inductees, something like that. It feels like they could take in sixty or seventy every year and still not get to everybody. Uh, so you just got to be happy that when they get in. But it's uh, and Marvin Jones just got in last year. It's just uh, such a hard process. It is. Uh, again, well-deserved. They could probably do it, Ira, where they have, like, they pick one game a month on national television and there's, like, 15 dudes that get on at halftime. Like, right. they could just do that and stagger it out. But at any rate, Florida State, uh, a lot of guys from that generation um, who are not yet in there are going to be in subsequent years. Work Dunn's name was called, and we salute him for that. Ira, as we get to, you know, setting up the next couple of months here on the site, we're doing these conversations behind the scenes about – you know, uh, the structure, the meetings, spring football, it all crescendos. The more Matt talks about some of the players that Florida State's going after, the more I'm thinking about how these position groups are going to shuffle. This is, uh, it's a very different spring to cover under Mike Norvell. I feel like the last time there was this much up in the air, we were restricted because of COVID. You know, we couldn't see those things play out. But this is going to be a, a truly fascinating spring 
Are there any position groups or any players that stand out to you as you're trying to shuffle the lineup in the two deep in your head? Well, you know, from a big picture standpoint, as you were saying that, I was just thinking about like last year, the big conversation was competition and that was the buzzword and they had enough talent and enough positions where they could really have real battles and, and um, not necessarily not, it's not like you didn't know who was going to win those starting jobs, but you had guys that could push. Um, so that competition helped make people better. And then you had good competition on both sides of the ball. This one's going to be a little bit different because you do have a lot of question marks, but I do think there's you know reason to be excited. Uh, and, you know, and I think, uh, I think as you just start looking around, I mean, I think it, um, you know, the linebackers are a position that I think everybody's going to be really focused on because you not only lost Tatum Bethune and Kalen Deloach, but you also lost DJ Lundy who transferred to Colorado. So now you, you're really young at linebacker, Omar Graham, who, uh, you know, I, was a redshirt freshman this year. I know, uh, you know, people are not fired up about what Omar Graham could be. I will tell you this. I spoke to him after the orange bowl and he talked about how he dealt with an injury all season. And so he didn't talk to me about what that injury is, but you know, we talked about it earlier, how physical ailments sometimes can make guys look like maybe they're not what you think they're going to be. Darius Washington is a perfect example mm-hmm. that earlier in his career, people didn't know if he'd ever put on weight or what he could be. Well, he was first team all ACC this past season, and he's a guy that dealt with some health thing, things earlier in his career. So Omar Graham's a guy I know that they're super high on. He dealt with some sort of injury this past season. We'll see what he looks like. I mean, you think back to DJ Lundy when he was younger. People are not happy that DJ Lundy left. Two years ago, nobody wanted DJ Lundy on the roster. So guys get better. Guys uh, get in better shape. They get healthier. They develop. So I think, you know, we'll see what that position looks like. Um, otherwise though, I, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of knowns on defense and, you know, you, I was, you mentioned earlier, Patrick Payton and, you know, you got Farmer and Jackson and, and you look at the, in the secondary is Ari Thomas and Shaheen Brown. And you got, we'll, we'll see what the other corner position looks like, but you've got a lot of, um, you know, guys that, you know, but on offense, it feels like there's just so many more unknowns, um, yeah. that we'll just kind of see how they develop. Yeah, I think in the defensive back room, uh, the storyline there for the non-starters or the guys you have penciled in right now is how quickly can the young kids kick the door down and, and take those reps away? Because the, the young secondary class, there's another one coming in right now, but that class from last season that was on campus for some some guys were there in spring and some guys arrived in fall, but Ira, they were very impressive. And um, they've got a lot of different body types now, like a higher caliber of player. And you just wonder if maybe there might be a surprise or two at corner or at safety. I know Conrad Hussey got a lot of run this year, but he's not the only guy who can play that position out of some of those young players. I think, Ira, probably it's it's typically where Corey wanders every day, uh, but those those one on ones and the seven on sevens, like you meander, but you, you know, with me with the trenches, we go back and forth, and you wander everywhere when we're in camp mode. But I feel like those one on ones with the receiver room and the defensive back room might be the most compelling of the head-to-head battles in the spring because there's just so many dudes on both sides of the ball. It's like risen to that level of competition that you want. Yeah, and but it also, you know, probably there's some knowns. Like, we know Azaria Thomas is good. Yep. We know Shaheen Brown is good. We we like the potential of Conrad Hussey. We like the potential of those other freshmen you talked about, K.J. Kirkland, Quindarius Jones, Edwin Joseph. Edwin Joseph's a guy that everybody kind of forgets about because he got hurt. and But he was one of the guys in camp that we really were blown away by. And uh, he was going to play Nickelback, and I thought he would probably get been maybe the third guy in there and get some real substantial reps, but then he got injured. K.J. Kirkland also dealt with some sort of injury during the season. So he started playing a little bit more later in the year, but long and athletic. Quindarius Jones, really long and athletic. 
And then, like you said, these talented receivers. So those those battles are going to be good, but I don't know if there's a you know really a ton of known commodities to judge based on. You know, like when we watch when you watch the offensive line, defensive line, if uh you know if 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 Daniel Lyons moves uh, Bryson Estes, you don't know what that means compared to if he does it against Keandre Jones or somebody like that. So it's, so that's that's going to be the challenge. I think it's just trying to get a, a good gauge on what is, you know, what is what are what are we seeing and not getting too not reacting too much to to, to what we see. That's fair. Uh, you know, on the offensive line, to me, that's one of the more interesting position groups just in terms of how are they going to shuffle all those bodies. There's a lot of returning players. They're clearly targeting a, a couple in, in the portal. Um, some of the younger players, like a Julian Armello, like a Jalen Early or Kaniya Charlton, I'd say the first two on that list are, are going to contend. Could Lucas Simmons finally knock on the door and, and you know start to steal some reps? Mm-hmm. It's just how you piece together those five. Some of those players, like Darius Washington for sure, can play multiple positions, but I wonder if they're going to move some bodies around and play some positions that maybe from outside to inside we haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I, I pushed forever and a day for Jeremiah Byers to be an inside player. Yeah. Didn't, didn't see it ever. Didn't see it. Not one rep did I see where, where that took place. But could they do it with maybe a, a Robert Scott or where does Darius even line up? Ira? There's just yeah. on the offensive line, you've got a lot of a lot of guys, but it's going to be interesting outside of Maurice at center you probably could play a lot of players at different positions. Yeah. And to reset it for people that, you know, it's hard sometimes it's hard any year, but it's certainly hard now between, you know, transfers and, and, and just the COVID years and guys in their careers. And, you know, some of these guys play six, seven years now compared to the old days. So, you know, the, the guys that have started a lot that we know are back are Robert Scott, Maurice Smith, Darius Washington, Keandre Jones. They announced he's coming back, right? Yes. Jeremiah Byers is coming back. So you've got like five guys there, you know, of the, the of the eight they talked about last year, you know, that's, that's what, that's five right there mm-hmm. that, um, you know, cause you lose Casey Roddick, you lose Demetri Emanuel and bless Harris left. Yep. Mm-hmm. So those are the three that left. So you still have five of those guys back. Plus you bring up those, uh, those other guys. I think the fact that Jalen early played a lot in the orange bowl is a sign of, uh, and we've been seeing it over the last year, that he's the guy feels like that they're grooming as a, as a potential tackle down the road. He, it seems like he's maybe pushed a little bit ahead of Julian Armella, um, but we'll see. And maybe Armella is a guy, like you said, that could slide to a different position. Uh, so that position group is going to be fun to watch. And like you said, they may bring in one or two more uh, as well. So the invitational kicks off in, in some time. We're not, we're not going to say goodbye just yet, but I did want to ask Ira just in terms of, you know, maybe behind the scenes, behind the curtain a little bit, uh, put on the managing editor cap for a minute, if you will. This is such a weird sport to cover now, especially around New Year's Day. Like, you know, Florida State, obviously, we wish we were covering uh, a semifinal and a final and all that kind of stuff. We should be covering. We should have been covering. And we should be. And it was so gettable this year. Look at this field. I mean, come on, watch those games and tell me Florida State wasn't capable of hoisting the trophy. Ridiculous. But in terms of trying to set it up, put your arms around it, it's just, it's like an amoeba, Ira. It just is, it, it fluctuates. Anytime you think you got to pin down, there's something else that happens. A new kid enters the portal, either from Florida State leaving out or somebody enters the portal that Florida State's interested in. Like, how do you make sense of it all? Or do you just say, we're going to cover it as it comes? And then in February, we'll have a better idea of what the hell we're covering in March when, when spring practice starts. Yeah, and real quick, Lord Simply is the Red Stripe. That is uh, my favorite beer. I'll drink other beers as well, but Red Stripe is my favorite beer. So thanks for uh, noticing that. Um, still haven't gotten the endorsement from Red Stripe, but you know we'll see. You'll we'll get, get it. it. It's going to happen. Day. 
one day. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess, man, this is where I feel like, I don't know, man, like everybody, everybody's strengths are there can be their weaknesses. Right. You know, I think as, uh, as fans, you're so passionate, you know, fans are so passionate and they get so high that when a month like December happens and, and all that uncertainty, people were so low. And that was hard for me to kind of digest and really relate to. You know, I got messages from people that I that are friends of mine that are huge Florida State fans who were beside themselves about what was happening. And the combination of players opting out, the combination of players who were injured and couldn't play in the bowl game, and then the combination of some transfers – some surprising transfers, um, you know, it just had people feeling like this whole program was falling apart. And I wrote that column that ran in the day of the game, that just trying to explain to people, I don't think it's as bad as you think it is. And, and, and it feels that way. I understand why it feels that way. Um, but that's where like, I have the luxury of the fact I did not grow up a Florida state fan like you did. And a lot of other people did. Um, I certainly want the program to do well. I think I'm, I was as mad as anybody else that they didn't get in, but I feel like I'm not quite as emotional in, in when things aren't going well, because I just, I don't feel it the same way. I mean, I wish, you know, maybe I wish I did. I just don't have, I've been a journalist now for 30 something years. So I just, you don't really have that. So from my perspective, I feel like Mike Norvell's a really good coach. The culture didn't change based on one game. Um, you know, this this was the same team that a year ago, all those players opted in for the bowl game and, and all those players came back for another year and they wanted to come back for another season. And Mike Norvell's the same coach and the staff is the same staff. And, you know, we're out there every day. And I just never felt like, okay, this thing's just going to fall apart. So, so for me, from a covering standpoint, it's just like, okay, how do we get through this yep. to a point where it starts to turn? Because I felt strongly it would turn but you just got to get there. And you also like, I don't want to ever be dismissive of people's frustrations and, and feelings. Cause I get the way they feel the way they feel. And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you probably felt that a little bit more visceral yeah. in a more visceral way than, than I did. Um, so, so I think it helps me in that, in that situation on the flip side, I need to, to understand how people feel because, you know, we're trying to, to tell the stories they want to read about. So I don't want to dismiss it. But I also never felt like it was as bad as people were starting to feel. I don't know. It's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah, for for me, it was it was just the reasoning never made sense. It was flawed inherently, um, and it, it's hard to look at anything objectively in that moment after you are you earn something and it's not given to you. Like I, I oh yeah, I said this Ira a bunch over that month, and I I probably will forever because this will never get settled. That's the hard part about something like this is it's never settled the right way. It's not set it on the field. It's not, I, I could have handled, this is what I said, like an ACC official making an awful call, which they've done once or twice before and making an awful call. And it's almost to the level of Rams and saints in the NFC championship game a few years back where it's, there's a pass interference. It's not called. Are you right. kidding me? That's at least within the course of the 60 minutes. Like this is just, it's in a conference room outside of Dallas. Like that is the hard part where it's, you can't settle it in your brain. And that's where when I think it was the post game of the Mike Norvell press conference, um, it might've even been the Friday one. I forget you were in the room for it, but where Norvell says, we'll never know. And he was seething at the moment. He's like, I felt a certain way and we'll never know. And, and I just, 
whatever he's feeling in that moment, Ira, I feel. I feel that because yeah. this team had a real shot. It, it, it's not a year where somebody's going there to have Alabama in its prime or, or uh, Georgia or that Burrow LSU team beat them by four scores. This one is more like 2012 where it's whoever got to play Notre Dame in the national championship game in 2012 was going to be winning the national championship. And that's the hard part, I guess, maybe to redirect it. You're in the room for some of those, all those interviews that Mike Norvell's had subsequent to that Sunday. I would think this took a toll on him in a way that probably even Jacksonville state didn't. What do you think? Well, yeah, man, those first couple of that, that, that first zoom we did after uh, it was announced and he and Kirby had to get on that zoom. I thought he looked awful. Um, he just looked so just, it was almost like he had seen a ghost, you know, he just, he did not look like Mike Norvell. And then I was a little bit worried that next week because he, they had to get on the road recruiting and they were hosting kids. And I was hearing that, man, he's still really struggling with this. Like he's not, you know, you, I was kind of hearing from people that he's not the normal Mike Norvell. I mean, he was, and I, I get it, man. It's like uh, you, it's everything he because it's not just what happened to him, but he spent a year telling those kids, man, what you can do if you go undefeated. And then they did it and they played through all the crap that they played through injuries and everything else, adversity and losing Jordan and and keep persevering and then to be left out. You know, he also I think just felt awful for them because he I'm sure he felt like or do they think I lied to them? I mean, you know, it's just a an awful situation. Um, I thought the press where I started to feel better about him and kind of, you know, kind of how he's processing it, I thought was the, the press conference down in South Florida. Um, I thought he, uh, the day before the, the, the orange bowl, even though obviously they got clobbered, it was an awful game, but even when we talked to him after practices in December, I never felt like he was kind of his normal self, but sitting, sitting on that dais next to Kirby smart who's just won two straight national championships. Those things are, those things are, there's usually some hidden subtext in those things that can be fun to watch how this coach reacts when he's sitting next to that coach. And here you are, man, you're Mike Norvell and you've had a successful young career, but you're sitting next to a guy who's won two straight national championships. And I thought he handled himself great. I thought he had great composure, great presence. Uh, When he shot back at with Kirby and a couple things about like, the game they played against each other back at Valdosta state and um, central Arkansas. I just thought he, he seemed like the old Mike Norvell again. And then he had to go through that game on Saturday. But I think since then he's kind of, it's moving forward. And I know that there's been like this talking point of that, you know, he needs to kind of get a killer instinct or something. And I think Mike Norvell's had that. I think it's just, he didn't have a team that could maybe do everything he wants to do. Um, but he's, you know, he's going to keep building it and, and try to get there. The problem is in this age, man, it's just hard to, I don't know. So you can't build teams the way you used to. He's not going to have a team like Bobby Bowden had. He's probably never going to have a team like he might never have a team like Jimbo did in terms of the overall depth, because you just can't keep people anymore. You're just, you're, it's this musical chair. So um, I don't know that this is going to change him, but I don't think it's it. I don't think it hurt him the way it looked. man, those first few days, I was like, man, our guy needs to to snap back out of it, but I he, I think he definitely did by the time they went down to Miami. Yeah, well, Mike's got a ruthlessness to him now. That, yeah, that that's not an acquired skill, um, or or one that needs acquiring, I should say. He's he's got it. Just 
you might not see it on camera because he's very aware of when the camera's rolling to do the interview and he goes into a mode. It's like there are different modes he's in and he and he dives into it head first. But he's got that ruthlessness yeah. about him now. Um, and I'm sure, Ira, given the chance next year, you might see a couple more of those moments where if he's got a choice, he might make the choice to score, uh, to score the extra time. <laughs> we'll see if, if maybe that's an influence. Uh, Outpost Alpha Fishing uh, really likes the uh, the pickups in the portal for 2024, saying look, it's looking brighter. And so does Lord Simply, who we should thank. Cheers, guys. Based on the recent pickups, I, again, have high hopes for next season. Orvella's feasting. Ira, again, loving the red stripe. And uh, Lord simply asked me, where's my drink? Uh, it's going to be, I think, some uh, some Dayquil or Nyquil. I don't know if you can hear oh, it. No. Apologies, oh, no. folks. I've got a little post-nasal thing going on. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but otherwise, I would be partaking, Ira. I don't know. Do you believe in the hot toddy as a remedy to get, uh, to get over uh, something? Or is that uh, just an excuse to have something while you don't feel well? <laughs> so when I was a kid, my dad gave me a shot of whiskey once. I had a really bad sore throat. And my dad gave me, I, th- I don't know, man. I don't know. Defects can't come in anymore. Uh, statute of limitations has run out, but I think my dad gave me a shot of whiskey when I was like a little kid once. Cause I had a bad sore throat. I don't think I, I don't think I drank the full shot, but, uh, but I drank some of it. I think it could help a little bit. It, the problem is if you overindulge, then that, uh, I think it, uh, yeah, yeah it brings you back down. Well, I've got options if whiskey does help. So I've got options and maybe that's what we'll, uh, we'll do. Uh, Ira coming up on the website, uh, this week, Obviously, you said that Corey's got a, a, a column coming up reacting to work Duns and Shriment yeah. uh, this season into or this year, I should say, into the College Football Hall of Fame. Any other highlights that you wish to share before we sign off? For the evening? Yeah, like you said, plenty more portal coverage. Uh, we don't think Florida State's done there by any stretch. I'm also writing something on Patrick Sertan, who's obviously having a pretty good month. Um, he uh, he, a couple of his former players now are coming to Florida State. I guess three of them now. Uh, Earl Little. Um, Devontae Brown and Marvin Jones Jr. All three of them played in American Heritage. Um, so he's getting some of his guys back together. And obviously the, the secondary had a good, uh, really good season last season. And I talked to some of the players um, around the bowl time about Patrick Sertan and the impact he had on that staff. So I'm uh, writing a piece about him. And then, uh, yeah, and then uh, Matt and uh, Michael are still doing normal recruiting coverage. Matt, I think, has a story about a, a, a big-time uh, – offensive lineman uh, that he's writing about as well. So there's plenty of coverage, uh, recruiting portal and team coverage coming this week, coming up on the channel. Uh, hopefully this week we'll have it released, but uh, sitting down with Dominic Robinson to break down DJU's game, a little bit of the history lesson and where he's come from uh, the fits natural or otherwise into Mike Norvell's offense. D Rob's always got thoughts and he's got the tape to prove it. We look forward to putting that together for the channel as well. Until that time that we see you again, make sure to check out our channel. There's a ton of content on everything from portal developments to uh, exit interviews as the kids come out. Everything in between here on WarChan TV. Remember also, basketball programs won two games in a row. We do put up those pressers after those victories, and Florida State's on a mini roll here, Ira. Yep, playing tomorrow night. they got Wake Forest. This is going to be an interesting game. Even though the uh, school's closed tomorrow, FSU campus is closed because of the storm. They're still scheduled to play that game tomorrow night at 7. Wake Forest is uh, really good. They're atop the ACC standings. Uh, but Florida State's playing playing much better than they have, so uh, hopefully they'll uh, get a decent crowd in there and and uh, maybe uh, you know give them a test. Give them a test. Stay safe, everybody. The storm is going to be ravaging the uh, eastern time zone of the United States tomorrow, everywhere from Tallahassee all the way up to Warchant North headquarters here. Hit the like button underneath the video. Subscribe to the channel. We are aiming to do a Seminole Headlines. Ira, Jeff, and Corey are getting together in the morning. 
provided they have power in all three places. Uh, but uh, stay tuned to the channel. If you hit that bell next to the subscribe every time we launch a live video, you will be notified. For Ira, Director Ben, behind the scenes, thanks to Matt Lasserre for joining the program, lending his insights. Lord Simply, thank you for your contributions. And as always, to our sponsor, State Farm Agent Russ Forhis. Head to RussForhis.com. He's Ira. I'm Tom. Good night, everybody on WarChant TV. And watch the Invitational only if you want to. <laughs>